This is Ayla Podcast. Hello and welcome. Valchiku Ile, Agus Portelen. This is Florence, it's Misha Florence, and I am the chairperson of Fish Ila, and I'm very much looking forward to welcoming everybody back this year for a live festival. And joining me here, I'm happy to welcome Falchiku Ila, Falchiku Ila. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's me, uh, Jillian Thurgood, Kimrahashiv, and you. So how are you, Florence? It's great uh, to have you here. I'm great, thanks very much. And it's nice to be out enjoying the spring air today, even if there were hailstones. Clacken Miatland to you. <laughs> well, you're right. It's time to be outside enjoy enjoying the long days, but in between the hail and rain and the wind. We have two featured guests this time. One of them is talking to me right now, but we'll hear again from her later. And really, for a very pleasant change, we're happy to announce the return of Fajila. We didn't really, it didn't really go away last year, but it went online, didn't yeah, it? Yes, yeah, yes, it was, it was great. But first, we're going to talk to Petra Pierce about something quite different, Fairtrade and Fairtrade Fortnite. Well, it's Glenn again with his roving microphone. And who are we talking to this afternoon? Well, it's Petra Pierce, who is going to advise us regarding Fair Trade Fortnite for Isla and Jura. As we are aware, or you're not aware, Fair Trade Fortnite is, I believe, for two weeks each year at the end of February and start of March, Thousands of individuals and companies and groups across the UK get involved in Fair Trade Fortnite. I'm going to hand you over to Petra, who will update us on what is happening with Fair Trade and in relation to the Fortnite and also how it affects both the both Isla and Jura. Thanks very much, Glenn. Um, so I'll start off by saying a wee bit about my role with the co-op. Um, I'm a member pioneer. Um, and have been for the last 14 months. Um, It's a relatively new post um, for the co-op and basically my job is to connect uh, the community with their in-store colleagues um, because a lot of people um, in the community don't actually realise all the good work that the co-op does within the community and also globally. So this week is about Fair Trade Fortnight. Fair Trade, for those that don't know a lot about it, is a system of certification that aims to ensure a set of standards are met in the production and supply of a product or an ingredient. So for farmers and workers, Fair Trade means workers' rights, safer working conditions, fairer pay. And for us as shopper, it means high quality and ethically produced products. So my job is really just to make people more aware of what that fair trade mark is on the products that they buy. By purchasing fair trade products, you're empowering farmers and workers to improve their living standards. And that includes the welfare of their community and the environment that we all share. Because a lot of the fair trade money goes to helping support those farmers in the likes of Costa Rica, Colombia, Africa, um, who are affect, who have 
devastating effects regarding climate change, we're helping them to address those effects. So the Fair Trade Rally is a global community. So we here on Isla Endura, we're a small farming community, but by purchasing Fair Trade products, we're helping the global community of millions of farmers and workers um, and the supply chains and the retailers and the shoppers and the schools and the governments in, in like third world countries to uphold fair prices and fair production standards and practices. So it means living wages for people in far-flung fields that have a really, really low living standard. I see where you're coming from with regard to all over the world, Uh, but what about, as you're part of the farming community here on Isla, does this affect our farmers in the islands or Great Britain, or is this basically, um, as you say, we're helping um, farming communities, etc., um, overseas, as one might put it? You know, you, fair trade supports farmers in the climate crisis, but is this the crisis of the climate in Europe or Africa or Asia? Um, where does where do the farming community on Isla and Jura get involved or do they get involved? It's a really good question and it's possibly for another podcast with a local farmer. Um, so though I, my partner's a farmer, um, you would probably need a three-hour podcast when dealing with local farmers. So yes, um, climate change does affect farmers on Isla and Jura. To the extent that it affects them, you would need to speak to them. But from personal experience, we know that, you know, maybe we don't have four seasons a year. We only have two, which is winter and summer. It's very difficult to produce barley locally because of climate change. It is difficult in terms of lambing. You know, you can be lambing in the snow, which is springtime. So though... Fair trade helps to address the effects of those that are affected by climate change and obviously it's exacerbated by their poor conditions in the third world countries. So though farmers here experience climate change, the exacerbation is not as extreme as those in the countries that I was talking about. But yeah, I think you've just, you've just sorted maybe another podcast uh, with local farmers about the effects of climate change. In terms of fair trade, I don't know anyone locally that produces fair trade products. They produce organic products and locally sourced products, which is all good for the environment because if you're buying locally, they don't have the carbon footprint, which addresses climate change, which is something that fair trade supports. Our listeners like to know what we as a community on Isla are doing. We know that the co-op is doing what it does, because we all know they do a lot of fair trade. But how can we as as a community or as a member of the community um, get involved in the fair trade fortnight? Besides purchasing, which we all do at the store, uh, fair trade foodstuffs. The co-op was the first to sell Cafe Direct products, which are uh, fair trade products, and that was in 1992. Um, they first sold fair trade bananas in 2000. 
all their own band chocolate was fair trade from 2002 um they had their own brand coffee from 2000 their own fair trade brand coffee from 2003 they are the i think they're the world's largest supplier of fair trade wine which is great um, so they do the co-op was early to the table with fair trade and they are leading on fair trade in terms of retail activity and what we can do locally is we can swap some of our favorite products for fair trade products um, so for example they do some amazing cocoa products um, both drinkable chocolate and eatable chocolate um, so you could swap your your dairy milk chocolate from a leading supplier to a fair trade chocolate and know that you are getting um, that quality, that taste that you would expect. And in many instances, the wine and the chocolate is, is superior to a lot of the mainstream brands at the moment. So the next time you're buying a chocolate bar, choose a certificated fair trade chocolate bar. As I said, touching on the wine, because it's something I know a little bit about. They've got a fantastic Malbec wine, um, some great South African white wines. Fair trade bananas are great. Um, so when you're buying a banana, make sure it's got the fair trade certificate on it, uh, because that banana helps change lives. Stock up with fair trade tea, coffee and sugar, and fair trade flowers. So when you're looking at the flowers, look for that fair trade mark. Um, so give the gift of fair trade flowers. When you're buying um, non-food goods, you can look for fairly traded products. So you can go online, you can look for other local suppliers. You know, locally, there'll be your local retailers, the spa, they, they do fair trade products as well. So the main thing is seek out that fair trade mark. So not only are you getting a great product, but you've got that feel good factor because you know when you're buying that, that you are choosing the world that you want. Um, you're choosing to act for climate justice. You're buying a product that pairs producers fairly. You're giving producers a say in their future. You're doing the right thing by people and planet and you're strengthening communities around the world because we're in an environment where we're all living in a bubble. And instead of like widening the world, we're actually shrinking it. And we need to be thinking globally because what affects our neighbours and other countries affects us. And now more than ever, that is relevant. And we need to see the bigger picture, not just our little bubble. However, we go back again to um, the, lo the, the community of both islands. Um, what response, um, but what is response are you getting from the community? But are you getting any, as one might put it, feedback on fair trade or feedback on any items that the fair trade fortnight is involved in? I was pleasantly surprised um, by the positive feedback that we were getting locally because a lot of people are aware of the fair trade mark and are already buying it. Um, what I would like to see is a, is a larger selection of what we can do. So I went round and put 
as many fair trade products as I could find in my basket from uh, my local co-op. So I had bananas, I had sugar, I had tea, I had coffee. The coffee's amazing, by the way, whether that be beans or freeze-dried. Um, cotton, cotton buds, cotton pads, uh, wine. You can get white, red and rosé. What else did I have? Some fruit. But I'd like to see that widened because I think if there was more fair trade available, people would buy more. I think they're buying from the selections that they can locally. The price is competitive, but I think that's going to be, I guess, the challenge moving forward. Because I think in an economy where fuel prices are going up, um, the cost of living's going up, I think people want to buy fair trade. It's just we need to make sure that the price is competitive so that they're they're able to continue to buy fair trade. Is it known that it's fair trade fortnight? Now, to be perfectly honest, I didn't know until you mentioned it to me the other day. So this is only my second fair trade fortnight. There are lots of things that people can join in from the comfort of their own home. So last night there was online wine tasting, fair trade wine tasting. Um, And tonight there is fair trade um, food tasting online. Um, And there's lots of um, other interactive events that people could tune in online. So I guess that I need to try harder to get the message across. Facebook is, is, is very, it's a very busy environment at the moment. So I need to work out how I can stand out a wee bit more on Facebook, I think. Interestingly, though I work for the co, I think when we're talking of Isla and Dura, I probably do need to go and touch the other smaller retailers. There's the third sector uh, Isla Development Initiative that has the refillery uh, along Shore Street that has fair trade products. I'm just going to introduce you to Jill. What do you want to say, Jill? Hi, I'm Jill Chasemore and I am your on your Members Council, the National Members Council. And I just needed to say that it's something that all the members, there's 100 member, members, count, members uh, council members uh, across the whole of the UK. And we had a recent council meeting and they all said this is something that we should be promoting. We used to promote it very much, so promoting all the stores. And it has since sort of gone off the radar somewhat and it's been left to the uh, members pioneers. But we all said that it should be given more priority. It's so it's the the saying of the co-op, it's what we do. Fair trade, it's what we do, and it's it's the beauty of the co-op, really, and we should be promoting it. Mm-hmm. But I just needed to say that, that, that yes, we've been we've put that to the, the board. I think, to just adding on to that, though, the difficulty at the moment is that in-store colleagues have been working at a really in a really stressful environment for over two years now. They went through the, the period of COVID, they've come out of that, and now we've got short, it was short-staffed, like many other organisations throughout the United Kingdom. So though it, it was normally sort of higher profile in the the store they have to sort of choose where their priorities are so that's where I come in that's where you know they they haven't really got the in-store colleagues to to follow up and promote fair trade and that's where the the idea of the member pioneer post came fair trade also is about empowering women which is high on the agenda um, these days um, so 
as part of its commitment to fair trade, they're investing in Fair Trade Africa's Women's School of Leadership. So that's a whole other conversation and it's International Women's Day. There is a, a set agreed price for the farmers and the producers and that isn't dependent on the market which is really important because we know that the market's quite volatile and specifically right now it will be very volatile. Then what's happened is the cooperative uh, along with other organisations I suspect as well has a foundation which then reinvests some of the profits back into um, these communities. So there's money that goes back into the community into the pot but we don't decide how that money is spent the producers who not only get a fair trade for their um, a fair price for their produce but they also then get to decide how this pot of money is spent within their community so they are able to pay their workers a living wage and they're able to see the benefits in their local community that was that was very interesting and very enlightening. The community, we hope, when listening to it, we'll see where fair trade is coming from. And the the only thing is that you always tend to feel that it's the cooperative that are doing it on Isla and Jura. And as you said earlier, we should really involve more of the local businesses as well to get fair trade. So I'm going to close there. And I would thank you ladies very much for taking the time. Petra, ladies, what a joy it was. And we'll say good afternoon and goodbye. I definitely knew the Fairtrade logo, but I have to admit I didn't know how big a programme Fairtrade was. It's excellent. I mean, I think the co-op, if you shop in the co-op and you look for the Fairtrades, you'll get the chocolate and you'll get the coffee and you'll get various things. But from a, from a personal point of view, I wish they'd stop putting plastic on vegetables, especially when you live alone. You know, you think, I only need like two tomatoes. Or buy that bag of carrots and they're wasted. But I do hear that in other areas in Scotland, they're trying to do less waste and do some work with the local co-op to, to do like a food pantry. So maybe it's something that Petra could think about. We're going to hear more from you in conversation with Glenn. This afternoon... We're down at Port Allen and we're at the, as I would call it, the Cyber Cafe. We're speaking today to Florence Gray, who we have known for many years and is now presently the president of the Feishilach. We know it started, as Florence will say, t- tell us later, with Margaret McTaggart. Um, do we know why this face was started? We do. It was started because there was a gap in the tourist season and also Margaret was a great and still is a great exponent of our culture and our Gaelic. And it was a marvellous festival from the get-go, even now. And lots of things have copied us. You know, you've Walk Isla now. We used to have walks. Mm -hmm. But we got so busy with distilleries that some of these smaller events had to fade away because nobody had any stamina left by the Sunday for the walking with mm-hmm. with Ian Nosey, with Ian McPherson, we'll just give him his proper name, and we had some great walks. And I also had a great walk once with Margaret McTaggart herself to Dunfin. Because we have close association with Ireland, that's a, a fort. Isla in medieval times was very much a fortified place, so there are forts everywhere 
just as it at Kiel's because we had over 30 chapels in Isla. So if you want to do more than look for trig points, this might be something that might be coming our way soon because we're in negotiations with friends from Ireland to talk about this. Oh, because uh, Kiel Colum Kiel Isla obviously came to Isla before he went to Iona and we have lots and lots of connections with Ireland and we're trying to make another link with Ireland to try and make it marry so that the cultures... The cultures are quite intermingled, but it's not always been an easy one to keep to keep alive. The Gaelic is quite similar, and yet there's bits of it are dissimilar. But we share songs and things, so it's been quite interesting because Phil Cunningham did a piece recently, and it was all about coming from Scotland to Ireland from the Dalriada connection. But he picked going from Port Patrick. I don't know why he didn't come to Port Ellen. <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> 20 miles across. <laughs> and from from our notes, there used to be many years ago, the early years, as they say, there was parades, floats, and even a carnival queen. I think there was, but it was, it was very much more in the community in these days before the distilleries came on board. Their doors weren't open in these days. So they could afford the manpower to put out a float. I mean, Lagvulin always had a stupendous float because they've got the manpower. And uh, the floats were fantastic. I, I once was on one of these floats and I played the minister out of Angus Og out the Daily Record. And my contribution to our float was I made the papier mache noses. <laughs> <laughs> so we had Morag and the minister and we had Angus Og, obviously, and... There was a lot of nonsense going on, and that's all I'm saying about that. Right. <laughs> but in well, the cultural side of it is still ongoing. Absolutely, absolutely. And encouraging our local youngsters. And uh, and right now, this coming up for the real festival again, we've got Mary Carmichael coming back to do a, an extra gig, which I'm not sure is online yet, because we were trying to keep one or two things back so that because our festival is traditionally quite small, you can't get hundreds and hundreds of tickets. So now that we've reached the digital age, first come, first served online. And it was quite amusing. A few years ago, we had the, the Glen now, Glen Finn and Cayley band to the Ramsey Hall, and folk were coming to the door. Why can we not get in? Because you didn't buy a ticket online. You know, because if, if we've reached the, the capacity, we can't just keep letting people in. And uh, I said, and I don't know why you pro we've got a problem with it, because Duncan Campbell's here and he's 90-something or other. So I bought my dram. <laughs> so we're now online. We're online. We've been digital for quite a while. And from, a, from a, the treasury point of view, it's great, because we're not running about from hall to hall with bags of money and stuff. And obviously to address the COVID this year... We're hoping to actually have some little tap-on terminals at our bars and at the door. But because most people have booked online, we're not handling money the same. And it's a good thing. But we'll be able to tap and go, we hope, this time. Because 4G... Oh, I'm getting quite technical now, <laughs> although I'm not really. Ben, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> and how disappointing was it when we had no... It was, it was an extraordinary thing because... It, um, because we have Ben who does our photography and our media work I actually I worked quite as, just as hard last year as I'm doing this year because I was all over the place with him doing quizzes and 
standing at locks and doing things round and about. And we had all our local entertainers online. And it was a lovely window for the local people to see that that is aspect of the festival is still alive and well. Because sometimes I think lo our local audience think it's just for the whiskey. Mm -hmm. But it's not just for the whiskey. And a lot of people come and they very much enjoy the whiskey and they do a great job. But then they come back later with their wives. They might come festival week with a bunch of men. You used to say if you saw 10 men down the street, they were from Sweden. Well, there's the Swedes, you know. <laughs> anyway, they, they quite often come back. And I know a lot that come back year on year. And they're all, you know, they bring me a box of chocolates. Or, they're, they're, they're lovely from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And the first time I attended a, a Visit Scotland session, the man, the high head man, whatever his name was, I can't remember names, of no use. He couldn't understand why we had such a global audience. Because they, when they do their demographics, it's, oh, the biggest audience we've got in an island this size must be England. It must be your neighbour. It is not. We didn't fit that demograph at all. And one time when we were doing an application for a grant, I was able to prove that because we collect people's information when they're winning a prize at the whiskey nosing. Mm -hmm. So we can say, just put where your, your country and, you know, we, we're not storing it. So I could make a case for how many people we had. There were very few that were, were British. They were, they were mostly overseas. Do you, th do you think? But I think this year it might be different. But maybe we'll get a new audience because we've been gone for a wee while. Mm. And we were talking about it last week. Because we're on an island... We can't get too big because we're constrained, as you know, with ferries. People are already cancelling bookings because they can't get ferry to match and things like that. Although, in my experience, Calmac usually put on extra. But we'll just have to wait and see because everybody's still got ongoing problems with COVID. As we speak, I think a couple of the eating places on the island are shut. Mm. So it's even although we're nearly getting there with taking the face muffs off, I don't think we can be complacent. So we'll, we'll, we'll be asking people to be cautious, yes. to, be, to be conscientious about people neighbouring them and things, you know. Do you think when the, when the cultural side of it is ongoing and then the, the, the distilleries moved in, as one might put it? Yes, they do did. Do you think they overtook it? Well, I, I, I did an article once for the Open Times and I said we were a victim of our own success. So being islanders, we've always had to adapt and evolve. And we do fit and we do have a very good relationship with the distillers because they're part of it. Because mm. we actually trademarked our names so that people couldn't just use Faisheela willy-nilly, as they say in funk. Mm -hmm. No willy-nilly. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you've obviously seen a big change. There are, there are changes and there are things that are similar and the same. And I was delighted last year when we weren't live that we were still able to present Isla in a terrific manner and we had a lot of hits on, on that tube thing, whatever you call it. YouTube uh, or the something. Online thing. And I never remember the right term, terminology. But, and local people really loved it. So it let them see again that we're still doing the work that we've always done. And we've also brought in very much more community events to replace what you were saying about the float. So this year we'll be having 
inflatables. Don't ask me what's involved, but there's nine men coming to put them up. So it must be big. And that will be at the that'll be at the Ramsey Hall. And these events are free at point of entry. There's no charge or anything like that. And it's very much geared towards the children. And we do have an event without drink, which is the Clutty Dumpling Cave mm -hmm. usually. And we have a folk night, which always sells out first. Don't know who compares it, but it might be somebody talking to you. And then we have um, our mystery bus tour, which we tried the last time we had a real festival. And it was a rip-roaring success. But the entertainment got stuck at the airport because it was missed. <laughs> so they had to make do with me. <laughs> so apparently we're going again this year with a similar enterprise. So I'm looking forward to that with the entertainment. And <laughs> <laughs> no mist. And no mist. No, he's been told to come by boat. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about Margaret McTaggart. Yes. Lived in, in, the, in the early days, you had every village, every part of the island was involved with the, with the floats. Yes, that's right. And uh, I know... Brian Palmer. So when the whiskey, I mean, so back in change. the nineties, mm -hmm. did the did the festival kind of calm down a bit? There was less money, less. No, because kept going. because traditionally, ever since the early days, probably Margaret never never expected it to grow so big. Like our static population is something like three thousand one hundred or some thereabouts. Um, we can we can treble that. We can quadruple that maybe. And I think we're losing a wee bit out with Cal Mac and the bus timetables that we don't encourage some people to get day passes to do some of the things that are involved with the distillery because they could come in and do the walk in the path and go out at night. It, you know, yeah. there are always other avenues that could be could be explored, but we just don't have time to cover them all by the time we organise all the events we're out organising. And what about Gallic Avenue? Gaelic is very much happening because Mary McGilvery is a scholar from the uh, the conservatoire in Glasgow and uh, she can play the fiddle, she can dance and she can sing and she's beautiful. What more? And, and she's a kneeler. <laughs> and she's been on the podcast already. Has she? Oh, she's lovely. Mary's lovely. She's a delight. And we always have Ella's dancers. They, they're stalwarts of the festival. And the Isla and Jura community band. And like... Likewise, we always support them at the end of the end of our shift, as it were. We don't always publicise all the money we've given out, but but we do distribute throughout the community, and music lessons for the school. We're doing that as well, and there's lots of things going on. We've got and things going forward, and then we have to start thinking about the next year. And sometimes in the past, when we wanted to have bigger audiences, we tried a big gig, which would be open air, perhaps at Lafroig. Or down in the warehouse at Brookladdy. The first one at Brookladdy was fantastic. It was just great. But then the midges. The midges. <laughs> Scotland and midges. <laughs> and, the, and then by stint of the size of the yard, the, the people wouldn't stand together the same as they stand in the hall. No. And it was, it just wasn't quite gelling. And the reasoning behind that was we wanted a big name to come. And the bigger the name you want to come, the more precious they are because they have agents. They have little people called agents. <laughs> and uh, we were having a discussion with the proclaimers who were supposed to be at the time wanting to do outreach all over the place. I think they got as far as Danoon, and this was what 
put me and the team forward to doing the big gigs because they wouldn't perform unless they had 600 of an audience. There's no hall in Isla will fit that. Then open air has its own problems. Then we have to get into toileting and stewarding. And but, but we always... We always prevail. We always manage to do it and never any trouble or anything. But usually it's pretty traditional and usually one band, maybe at the final fling, will come over from Ireland so that we're giving the Isla people some fresh music that isn't just our own. So we do interact and we have brought Cayley bands over and uh, we still do that. Um, as I said, the Glenfinn and Cayley band were excellent. They've been on the telly at the New Year show. They were very good. And there's another audience that wants to come dressed in their plaids for that one. And it's delightful because they want to dance. They don't want to sit and look. They just, they want to dance. So, no, some of these old traditions are really going rather well. And we have some extras this year. We've got a gin tasting and something or other going on at Mahri. And we've got Rachel of the Whiskey Academy going to do a pairing with, of all things, Isla Galore. It's Isla Galore. What's Whiskey Galore. I've just given it a new name. <laughs> <laughs> Whiskey Galore in, in the cinema in Macri. So we've got quite a few wee fringe things going on as well. Um, people are a wee bit worried about numbers. I think there'll be more ticketing throughout the f- festival, even at the other events. Uh-huh. And I noticed yesterday, Arna Ho and Bonahaven had put their first... Uh, thing out online so it's good to see everybody and we're very positive meetings with everybody but everybody's still just that wee bit wary about Covid and mm. I think it's here to today so the message for me will be wash your hands do your sanitising by the time we go live surely the masks will be done with but whiskey is a pretty good disinfectant whiskey is a very good disinfectant <laughs> 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 and, and what about the community themselves you're getting a good response from yes and we won two or three years ago we won a community award because we had done the world war 100 afternoon tea and we got the argyle college to actually uh, got them involved to make the ingredients and it was all wartime ingredients and tea and you know the the, the british uh Pastries. cake stands and it was uh-huh. lovely and it was free at point of entry and folk were talking about it for ages and, of course, this year we'll have a wee bit of the Queen's Jubilee added on at the end. So look out for some Jubilee cocktails and some crowns, probably a few balloons, but I don't think there'll be a brass band. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a brass band on? And a bouncy castle? Uh, might be a bouncy castle somewhere. Well, it could be. <laughs> Are you doing something on the green here? At we're not Othello? this year because of the size of the entertainment this year. We're going to have to go over to the playing fields because, as I said, you nine men are coming to erect it. What did I say it was? Inflatables. So I'm not too sure what inflatables means. It'll be like obstacle courses and things because uh, I just do the talking. I don't do the organising. So I always forget what it is they told me I'm supposed to say. <laughs> As no. long as I don't have to go into one of these things that barrels round and round. No, I know the dreadful things. So, are you? Are you? You're looking forward to this year. I'm very much looking forward to seeing people again. But we had a lot of lovely messages when we were online, and a lot of people that follow us regularly. And Ben, I think, has just introduced a new thing called a newsletter. Nothing like giving himself more work. I think he's up to quite a few thousand. 
But I don't tend to do with that either. <laughs> and what about next year? Are we planning? Oh yes, next year we're, we're already headhunting some fresh entertainment. Because sometimes you get a bit, if it's always the same group, always the same grouping, because quite often we get into the double dunt situation, the distilleries have got them and we've got them. Yeah. So quite often it's better not to share them because then the audience isn't getting weary of the same people going round and round. So. No, once you've been so once, we, you won't go again. Well, no, and sometimes, sometimes over the years, you learn by experience what fits in an island setting and what doesn't, you know. A flamenco player might not just quite cut it in island, you know. <laughs> might be okay for the arts lot, but might not be all right for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, long, as long as you're a chair, you get to... Well, I, choose. well, well, I, no. It's, we always have to agree, and sometimes we don't, and that's 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 good. That's healthy. Mm -hmm. But we always have good discussions about what we're what we're aiming for and how we're going to arrive at it and things. No, it's very good. And interestingly, when we went to pick up our award for our community work, it's the money that's generated by charitable organisations is absolutely phenomenal. They had figures. I'm not good with figures. Uh, millions. So what what must it be like here? Mm -hmm. And how how people were affected the two years we didn't have it. Go I on. felt sorry for the you know, the industry, the the people with the bed and breakfasts and the people with the you know, the hotels oh. and everything because furlough was fine, but it wouldn't cover all the costs, no. you know. And I think it's been a steady build up and I think we're seeing a lot of people already, which is great. We want to see people. Well, we like to. We like visitors. We like island. visitors, and I mean, we've got this thing called the Isla Wave. Uh -huh. And I was talking to somebody online yesterday, and she bought a wee set of hands. I said that'll be handy for waving. That'll be a tiny <laughs> set of hands. <laughs> and how, how long have you been chairman, chairperson, president? It's been a wee while. I went along. Well, I always used to take part in whatever was going on from the early days when Margaret did it. Uh -huh. And then there were other people. Maureen was involved, Maureen Baker. And she, if I didn't, if I wasn't involved in it, I was putting Kepi Kayley up in my house and forgetting to charge them. You know, things like that. That's Sila. And uh, then I thought, well, it's I like to do things, because I worked for many years in the community, mm -hmm. I like to be involved in things in the community. And that's really what made me go forward to join the committee. Alexis was still alive then and she was struggling a bit to get help and she put a shout out and I went along and the rest of it says, I'm still here. And how I, long and is I, this now? I don't really know. Must be plus ten. <laughs> I'm going to be a tenish about. <laughs> and then I say every year, oh, it's time I went, time you had somebody else. Time you stepped Don't down. go yet. Don't go yet. <laughs> But right. it's, a, it's the nature of the beast because once you know the formula and you've got a good team with you, it's like it. planning a wedding. You know uh -huh. that you were in that kind of industry. It comes together. There's always a wee squabble here and there in the middle because we think, oh, well, we've missed that out. We've done, we could have done that better. You know, we do have chit-chats about it, but on the night, it always works out great. There was one night we had a power cut when we were doing the whiskey nosing at the Ramsey Hall. There was a terrible gale. And the people were queued round the block and the hall keeper said, I don't think we can let anybody else in. I said, we'll have to let them in. We can't leave them out there. But honestly, you'd think the roof was going to come off. 
and then the power went out. Well, that was fun. But one of the committee members phoned somebody in the hydro, and Portellan was restored to power, but sadly the rinse wasn't. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't tell that. No, no. no. <laughs> we'll definitely keep that one in. Keep that. <laughs> it's always the rinse. It, wasn't, no, always the rinse. it wasn't always the rinse, but it just so happened that, you know, that was going on, and the person that was phoned, this thing got sorted first. It's always a joy. It's, it's that long since we've seen you. We, well, um, that's it. Nobody's seen, wouldn't No, they? I know. And then you're behind these face flaps. Nobody knows who they're talking to half this the time. This is true. It's awful. I know, I know. But you're still here. It's sort of like the bandits. <laughs> when you go to the, you go into the shop, you say, which bandit am I talking to? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to say a big thank you and a very big thank you to Florence for joining us this afternoon. Um, it's been a great afternoon. You may feel, but it's short. But it's short and interesting. And uh, it's, it's been great because I've been over at the Gaelic College quite a lot because they've been also doing a lot of things digitally. And the Bards, the Isla Bards, which Margaret always talked about. And one year I did a storytelling thing and Margaret came and did the Gaelic part and Liz Lockhead did the Scottish part, her, her work. And it worked great because she was writing... She was writing a piece about whiskey that particular week, and she was a delight. And, you know, I was explaining that storytelling in English or Gaelic is a great thing. You know, because her way with words is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Margaret was very interesting. She always talked about the difference between the bards. One was very lyrical, and one was more political, and one was, you know, she's quite scholarly uh -huh. about it. And um, it was a McNiven bard that they'd been working on in the Gaelic College and unfortunately this guy that wrote the book because they were launching a book he couldn't go over because the plane didn't come so him and the Gaelic College's uh, chairperson they were both on the Zoom thing it was brilliant and then we, we could actually listen to the bard on and joke I can't oh, my Gaelic pronunciation isn't very good but it was great you could hear him and everything and some of his relatives in the audience and people that remembered him so they, these are the these are the old ways. Like when I was young and went to, to dances and Kayleys, you knew all the words to all the Gaelic songs. We're kind of losing that mm -hmm. a wee bit now. You know, everybody would be singing, you know, the Green Hills of Isla and, That's it. Oh, yeah. you know, oh, my oh, you know, Cali Maroons and mm -hmm. Calamine Lotion to Tom over there. Shinny Van. Shinny Van, yeah, a big favourite. And uh, he was a great writer. He was a janitor. And he actually was my great, one of my great aunt's fathers. So there was always a lot of chit-chat about, oh, you need to learn these. There were always mod songs anyway, but mm. unfortunately, although I can talk, I can't sing. I wish I could, but I love hearing them. <laughs> I love to hear them. And I always think, that one of the places that maybe we should do a link up with is Cape Breton or Nova Scotia or something like that. Uh, we've had lots of interesting people over, you know, Dougie McLean and uh, Fred Morrison, the Piper. We've had, you know, over the years, Phil Cunningham and Ali Bean in the early days. And now it's Trail West, Skerry Moore and Skerry Moore. And we did try before Pete and Diesel got up there to go off like a rocket. But we were just too late because I think that we agent intervened and no, we can't send them there yet. But we might get them yet mm. if they don't run out of steam because they're doing an awful lot of work. 
they're everywhere just now. You know, they've been down in London and Birmingham, and we could get them on our podcast. Yeah, they would. They would. They would be good. But uh, we need to get them over here first. Yeah, <laughs> guys, guys. <laughs> anyway, we're going to close Florence again. What can I say? It's been a joy to see you. It's been a joy to listen to you and the stories. And we at um, the podcast wish you and your committee all the best for this year. Thank you very much for having me. And I'm sure the team will know when I'm rattling on about not knowing about technology, but I know more than that. I know more than I let on. (laughs) (laughs) So whether you're an Isla fan or an Isla whiskey fan, this year's Vegila will be taking place from Friday the 27th of May to Saturday the 4th of June. For more information and possibly tickets, maybe... Yeah, ticketing info at vegila.com. I can't see it. Vegila.co.uk. Whatever it is, dot this and dot that. Morse code, I can remember Morse code. I can remember telegrams. Well, I don't know what else to say. There's not much room for me to say anything. But thanks again to Florence and to all the volunteers that have worked behind the scenes over the years to share and highlight the best of Isla. From Carnival Queens and Floats to this year's Vegila, Isla's Festival of Music and Malt. Great. But for this episode, that's all we have time for. You can also follow us on social media, on Facebook at This Is Isla, on Twitter at This Is Isla, and on Instagram at This Is Isla Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of This Is Isla Podcast. Our theme song is Swift Crown Cashback by Facebook.